Well, good morning and a good Lord's Day to you all. Uh, it is a pleasure, as always, for me and my family to be here with you today to worship and to enjoy your fellowship as well. And so thank you for the invitation. I'm very grateful also to have a chance to give your beloved and hardworking pastor a week of, uh, a week of break. Uh, so I'm glad that I can be here uh, for, for his benefit as well. Well, for our scripture reading this morning, uh, let's turn to the book of Lamentations. And we'll be reading a short passage from Lamentations chapter 3. Whenever I think of the book of Lamentations, I often think of a sermon series preached by Mr. Doug Coman some years ago at Providence RP Church, and a very, very powerful, very excellent sermon series. I commend it to you. If today's sermon kind of sparks your interest in this book, uh, that would be a wonderful place to go. Well, we're going to read just a short passage from Lamentations 3, and these verses will be familiar to you. Lamentations 3, verses 19 through 24. And so let's give our attention now to God's word. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to mind, and therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I hope in him. And this morning we're going to focus our attention even more narrowly than that on those two very well-known verses, especially verse 23, where it speaks of the Lord's mercies and his compassions being new every morning because of the great faithfulness of God. Well, these verses that I've just read are undoubtedly uh, the best known and perhaps the only known verses in the book of Lamentations uh, among a lot of people. And um, really verse 23 is one of those verses in the Bible that regularly makes it onto coffee mugs and calendars and refrigerator magnets uh, that you find at the Christian bookstore, right? That's a very popular verse. And it's hard to decide whether the isolation of this verse and its popularization, if you will, whether or not that has ultimately done it a disservice. Because on the one hand, it is a magnificent verse, one of the most comforting verses in all the scriptures. It's one of those texts that you you want to go back to time and time again. It's one of those texts that you don't want to forget. But on the other hand, when it's isolated from its context, I think the true meaning And maybe the real depth and and power of this verse is somewhat diminished. Now, if you didn't know, you probably wouldn't guess that that very comforting verse comes from a book of the Bible called Lamentations, which is a book that is otherwise filled from beginning to end with the, the, the suffering and the tribulation of God's people at a certain specific time In history. But then I think also that is precisely what makes these verses stand out. 
Because at that moment in 586 B.C. when God's people were undergoing a a storm of tribulation as their city fell to the Babylonians, here, here in these verses, the clouds break for just a moment. And from the midst of suffering, the prophet affirms and declares in a new way that God's grace and compassion will prevail because he is faithful. In other words, I think what we find in this text is that the experience of hardship is the very thing that brought about this renewed realization of God's grace. The sorrow and the suffering, or as the prophet put it, the wormwood and the gall, it is those things that finally led to this most beautiful apprehension of God's mercy and the realization and the assurance that his mercy always prevails at last toward his people. And so I think this passage teaches us in no uncertain terms that in the most difficult circumstances of life, we might say in the darkest moments of tribulation that we might ever have to endure, it is precisely then that God's compassion is needed most. It is at that moment when it is proven to be unfailing to us. And so I think we can take that comfort away from this passage. And we find this point, I think, in different ways and in different verses in the Scriptures. For instance, in Romans 5, Paul says that we glory in tribulation, knowing that it produces patience and character and hope. James says to count it a joy when you fall into various trials in this world, knowing that trials add the fruit of perseverance to our faith. Now here in our text, in a very similar vein, the glory of Paul and the joy of James are matched by the prophet in Lamentations chapter 3. When the prophet here exclaims from the depth of terrible suffering that God's unfailing compassions are new every morning. And so there is indeed something to glory in during the tribulations of life. It is precisely then that our God is pleased to reveal himself to us in new and in unexpected ways as a faithful Savior who has unfailing compassion. And so the point being that the context of these verses lend a great deal of depth to their meaning. God's compassions are not new every morning in the sense that our lives are going to be like perpetual, peaceful sunrises. His compassions are new every morning in the sense that they will prevail over even the darkest nights of tribulation that we may have to endure. And isn't that the greatest comfort of all? Now, having thought briefly about the context of these famous verses... I'd like to spend the rest of our time this morning focusing on one of the details. And it's perhaps a detail that, that, uh, one of the details that makes this verse very memorable. But on the other hand, a detail that perhaps we might not think about as often as we should. God's compassions are said to be new every morning. Why is the renewal of God's compassions tied to a certain time of day, the morning. 
Well, we could simply say it's uh, probably just the prophet's uh, poetic way of saying they are new every day, and that is true. But still, the prophet doesn't say new every day. He says new every morning. In fact, this phrase is carefully chosen, and it is deeply meaningful against the rich background of biblical imagery about the morning. First of all, morning is a time of day that is synonymous with spiritual renewal in the Bible because sleeping and awakening are daily illustrations of our death and the promise of the resurrection. In the Bible, death and sleep are words that are almost interchangeable. And so the psalmist talks about sleeping the sleep of death. And likewise, awakening from sleep is, in the Bible, an image of the resurrection. As, for example, in Psalm 17, the psalmist beautifully puts it, I will be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. He's talking about the resurrection from the dead. And so, sleeping and awakening, we find very often poetically and prophetically uh, depict our death and our resurrection. And so each and every day holds a reminder of the promise of the resurrection to us. And it also reminds us of the fact that we must first die in order to be raised up again, just as our Lord and Savior also had to sleep the sleep of death before awakening to his resurrection on the third day. And so each and every night when you go to sleep, and each and every morning when you awake, your death and your resurrection are being, in a sense, enacted or anticipated until they come. And that is why in the scriptures that morning is a time of day that is synonymous with renewal in the Bible. And in the scriptures we find that morning time uh, can be compared to and equated with hopes being fulfilled and mercy being received. There are plenty of examples uh, from the Bible, and especially the Psalter, and we've just sung a few of them this morning. Psalm 30, a beautiful psalm, compares the life of faith to morning following night. Right, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 143, we also sang, Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. And who can forget Psalm 130, where the longing for God is compared to watchmen waiting for the morning. In these and in many other examples, as I said, morning time, poetically in the scriptures, is synonymous with hopes being fulfilled and mercy being received. Now, against that background, that is the background of awakening from sleep being a reminder of the promise of the resurrection, and morning time being uh, synonymous with the renewal of new life. It's no wonder that in the examples of faith that we see in the Bible, the morning time is the choicest time of day to seek the face of God. My voice you will hear in the morning, O Lord, Psalm 5. 
O God, you are my God, and early will I seek for you. Psalm 63. Awake, lute and harp, I will awaken the dawn. Psalm 108. And the examples actually go on and on. Now, of course, in the Bible, other times of day and night are also mentioned as being times of prayer and praise. But one cannot escape the impression really everywhere in Scripture, that the morning is the time not only of our physical awakening from sleep, but it's a time of a spiritual awakening as well. It is a time when we are to be particularly sensitive to our recreation in Christ, particularly sensitive to the renewal of his mercies, and also particularly mindful of the promise of the resurrection. You know, it's interesting that in the Bible, God himself is even said to rise up early to speak to his people. And in fact, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, who is most likely the author of Lamentations, of course, uh, he is the one that says this several times in his great um, temple sermon in Jeremiah chapter 7, where he speaks of God, or rather God speaks of himself as rising up early Uh, to speak to his people. Jeremiah 7, verse 13. Thus says the Lord, I spoke to you rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear when I called to you. And he says again in that same sermon, verse 25, Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt, until this day I have sent you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early, and sending them. God is said to rise up early and speak to his people. What does that mean regarding God? Well, of course, God neither slumbers nor sleeps, as we know from the scriptures. But what it means is, is that he, there was no delay in his message. There was intentionality. There was purpose. Uh, there was no delay. He spoke directly and with priority to his people. And that, on the other hand, is matched by, say, Psalm 63, where it says, Uh, Lord, you are my God, and early will I seek for you. Meaning, uh, that's the first business of the day. There is intentionality and purpose in the communion between God and his people. And that's represented by this morning time of them meeting, right? In any case, what it means, I think, is you cannot get up early enough in the morning that God is not there waiting for you. But if rising up early to do something expresses the importance and the priority of that thing, so that even God himself is said to rise up early to speak to his people, then you and I need to rise up early and listen. At least in the spiritual sense of being ready to hear his word, of that being the priority of the day, if not in the physical sense of arising early in our beds to do so. But we know from Jeremiah and Lamentations that ancient Israel had slept in, in more than one way. They had no priority or intentionality in their spiritual lives, and therefore they had become spiritually asleep. But let's return to the passage at hand in Lamentations 3. If morning time does indeed hold a special place in the rhythm of the Christian life, then you're likely expecting the application of this sermon 
to be an exhortation to have morning devotions. And you would be right. That is one of the most obvious applications of it and one of the most obvious ways that we can apply this passage. If we are to understand and to recognize that God's compassions to us are new every morning, then that ought to be the first thought of the day, shouldn't it? And it's sad to say, and I preach to myself in saying this, uh, all too often our mornings are uh, sometimes a groggy descent into routine rather than, rather than a spiritual awakening into God's presence. But if you and I would form the habit of each and every day of directing our waking thoughts to the Lord and to do so in terms of, of prayer and devotion, and in that way, offer to God the first fruits of the day and our first thoughts of the day. I believe we would discover more and more what it means that his mercies and his compassions are new every morning. Now, directing our hearts and our minds to Christ in the morning, of course, is something that will look different for each person in his or her experience as each one has a different schedule to keep and the, uh, the duties and responsibilities of the day cannot be held off for long. But the important thing is to direct our mind and our hearts to him in the morning, especially in those waking moments, that we, with intentionality, offer to him the life that we will live that day and offer to him all that we will do and say and think that day as a sacrifice to him and be aware of his gracious presence as the day begins. We need to be more aware of that when, when you awake in the morning, and you know that moment, uh, we all have that moment every morning, you had it this morning, that moment when you're lying in bed and and your eyes flutter open and, and you blink and, and suddenly you're self-aware again. You're conscious again. You're, you're alive again. Your life has just come back to you. In that moment, the promise of the resurrection was just held forth to you once again. And the day that has just begun, it really now represents the new life that you have in Christ. When each morning comes... You are truly a new creation. Psalm 139, verse 18, which we will sing after the sermon, says something very simple and yet very profound. And it almost seems out of context in the psalm. But the psalmist just blurts out this line in the middle of the psalm. He says, when I awake, I am still with you. When I awake, I am still with you. When you awake is the time to remember that you are still with him and he is still with you. And nothing can separate you from his unfailing compassions. There's another encouraging way to apply this verse. The fact that God's compassions are new every morning. And the sense of this verse is that his compassions are not just new every morning, but they are renewed every morning. That is to say, they're not just extended for one more day, but his compassions are actually added to 
each and every day. And the sense of the text in its original language supports a reading such as that. It's not, it's not just a day's extension of his grace, but really it's an addition of his compassions that we experience anew each morning. And so this is something wonderful to grasp. It means that each day there is and should be a new realization of his compassion. It means that we have not nearly discovered all that there is to discover about God's compassions toward his people. And that each day is really meant for us to grow in our seeing, in our experiencing, and praising God for his compassions. If his compassion is new every morning, then each day really is a new beginning of our walk with him. And that's a very encouraging thing to remember. You know, people of the world will very often think of or or look for or try to find in life a, a new beginning. People talk about turning over a new leaf all the time or they talk about, um, you know, starting fresh, uh, you know, resolutions they might make. People are always trying to start over. At some point, everyone wants a new beginning, right? But believers have one every single day. You and I had one this morning when we woke up, and we'll have another one tomorrow. Because each morning is a fresh assurance of God's grace in Christ. And each morning that grace is added to. And so when it comes to our walk with Christ, when it comes to our, our struggle with sin, when it comes to our service to the Lord, when it comes to our inner spiritual lives, When it comes to all those things that make up the life of faith, you have a new beginning and you have greater grace each and every morning. But for our part, we must be determined to be renewed each day, to not let let a new morning come and to not let another day pass without some renewal in our lives. You see, our spiritual lives are reckoned in days. The day is the basic measurement of our spiritual lives. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, the inward man is being renewed day by day. It doesn't say week by week or year by year. It says day by day. And so that is the purpose of a day. And we have to think of our lives as a succession of days, each one of them with a purpose. And we must think in terms of a day and its purpose. And when your eyes flutter open in the morning and you think about the day that lies ahead, ask yourself, what is the purpose of this day? Well, it is our renewal in Christ. And if that is the purpose of a day, for us to be renewed in Christ, then this verse gives us that blessed assurance that his compassions are new to us right then and there when we begin that day. And so, every 24 hours is like a microcosm of your existence. Daytime is like your life, the purpose of which is to seek after the Lord Jesus Christ. The nighttime when you sleep is like your death. And then the morning, the promise of the morning comes. The morning is your resurrection. When you and I will say with the psalmist, when I awake, I am still with you. I happened to come across a quote by 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he beautifully makes this point in, in a very eloquent, memorable, and powerful way. Bonhoeffer wrote this. He said, Every new morning is a new beginning of our life. Every day is a completed whole. The present day should be the boundary of our care and striving. A day is long enough for us to find God or to lose God. It is long enough to keep the faith or to fall into sin and to shame. God created day and night so that we might not wander boundlessly, but already in the morning we may see the goal of the evening before us. As the old sun rises new every day, so the eternal mercies of God are new every morning. And listen to this last line. To grasp the old faithfulness of God anew every morning, to be able in the middle of life to begin a new life with God every day, that is the gift that God gives with every new morning. And that is the gift and the blessing that is captured in our passage in Lamentations chapter 3. And this brings us to the final point I want to make this morning about this passage. And that is how the whole idea of newness in the morning being a picture of the resurrection, how all of that points us to the hope we have in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of the imagery of God's grace in the morning comes to its perfection in the resurrection of our Lord. Every gospel writer in the New Testament is particular to point out that the resurrection of Christ and the discovery of it took place just as the sun was coming up. Matthew begins his resurrection account by saying, as the first day of the week began to dawn. Mark begins his account by saying, Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And Luke begins his account by saying, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb. The Gospel writers want us to know, without a doubt, that all of this took place at dawn, just when the sun was coming up. And so all of that imagery in the Old Testament, the imagery of awakening to new life, the imagery of compassion in the morning, the imagery of renewal at daybreak, the imagery of watching for the dawn, all of that imagery has come to its fulfillment when the sun was just coming up and the disciples found the empty tomb. And Jesus had that moment, that moment I spoke of earlier, that moment that you and I have every morning, that moment when his eyes fluttered open and he blinked and he awoke in the morning. He was alive again. He had that moment, never to sleep the sleep of death again. The promise of resurrection was realized. And just as God had promised, our Savior rose again from the dead. He awoke in the morning. And God showed his promise to be true. In Psalm 110, the Father promised the Son, saying, Though 
From the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. From the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. And there we find the promise of the resurrection in the image of renewal in the morning. And that promise came true. God has made another promise. And this one is just as true. And that is that if you believe in, if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord and Savior, then the day of your awakening will also come. That day of your renewal, of your resurrection, will come just as surely as it did for our Savior. And so as the day of your life continues to pass, and the night of your death approaches, let's remember that God has promised us in Christ that there will be a new morning. There will be a morning in which we will awaken to eternal life. That we will awaken in his presence and in his likeness. But in the meantime, we have the pledge of that promise each and every day. Every morning when we awake, we are reminded of that promise. And each day when we do awake, we can rejoice that his compassions which fail not are indeed new every morning. And this should give, um, this should give uh, new meaning to when believers, when you and I say good morning to one another. Uh, because only if you are in Christ can you say good morning and truly mean it. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you that your word, your precious word, holds forth to us the promise of your mercies being renewed each and every morning. And every morning, Father, we are reminded of your promise that one day we will rise again because Christ has risen. And so each day, Father, we pray that your new and sustaining mercy would continue to bear us through in this life and that after we sleep the sleep of death, that we would indeed arise, awake in the morning, and live forever in your sight. But Father, thank you for your word. Uh, It is a blessing to our souls to be refreshed by it this day. And we pray that we would take that encouragement and comfort from your word, and that we would bear it in our hearts in life, that we would glorify you in all that we do. And Father, we pray that your word, which has gone forth this day, will have a good and fruitful return in our lives for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.